Good morning. Hello to those online and in F3. Hope you'll be encouraged this morning, as I'm sure you already have with the worship and as we continue in God's Word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for pouring out your love in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Thank you that it is in you that we live and move and have our existence. Thank you that we are living in your presence and that you promise to draw near to us when we draw near to you. Thank you so much for all of these amazing promises. And as we read your word this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us. And uh, we, we give you this morning, Lord, we are totally dependent on you. Nothing uh, that we can do on our own. It, we, we depend on you and look to you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, we are, as Mike had mentioned, we're beginning our focus the next three months. Overflow, God's love um, poured out. Uh, first in our hearts and then as we live out the one another's uh, together. Um, our family life team uh, we were thinking about what, what focus could we do, what would be good as, as we think about um, what life has been like for the last year and a half or so. And we landed on the one another's, just how important it is to be connected and to encourage one another and be involved in each other's lives. And, and what, does that, what does that look like as a body of, of Christ? What does it look like in our own families? What does it look like as we want to be a testimony to our community? And, uh, and we believe that the basis for Christian community is in the one another's. And we know that Jesus already said that it is by our love, as we love one another, that the world sees um, that we belong to him. And so we thought we would be, it would be a great focus. And thankful for all of the hard work. And um, I don't know if you know that, but, but um, uh, the guys up here wrote that song, Overflowing. Wasn't it a wonderful song? And... Uh, and uh, and then all the hard work in these fountains are, are just a great reminder. Please don't fall asleep with the, with the sound of the water. I, I'll understand. I might. So we'll just see how that works. Um, but, it, but it's a great, great visuals. <clears throat> Some of you uh, know that my older brother Keith is, uh, uh, was diagnosed with glioblastoma in April. He had surgery. He's been um, taking radiation and uh, in chemo. And, uh, and thank you so much for praying for him. Uh, there's no new growth in the tumor as of uh, a month ago. And uh, he is so thankful for your prayers. And he wanted me to communicate that to you. Uh, Susan and I got to spend time with Keith and Amy, his wife, um, twice in July, at the beginning of July and then at the end of, the, of July. And, and I'm just so thankful for Amy. I'm thankful for Keith too. Uh, but I'm so thankful for Amy because of her love for my brother. And just watching her serve Keith in love, um, taking care of him, encouraging him, um, and, and just being alongside him, loving him. She's been a, a real example of, of a servant, and um, that's just really been encouraging. Before the coronavirus, um, I was uh, volunteering in um, uh, Little Hearts, which is a ministry to uh, taking uh, care of children, um, ministering to them uh, while Women in the Word was happening on Tuesday mornings. And I would just come in once a month and, and play with toddlers. And, but, but Jack Smith is there, was there every week. And uh, I just, he and I were just talking, and he just was telling me how much he loves 
to be involved in that and be there for the kids. And I was, I was reminded as I was thinking about talking about the one another of, uh, from Galatians 5.13 this morning of, of uh, serving one another through love, I was also thinking of Jack and, and how he was serving um, those children week after week. It was, it was a, a great encouragement. You know, in the Gospels, uh, we have four, as you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each one portrays Jesus in a different way, from a different perspective. The, the Gospel of Matthew shows us that Jesus is the sovereign king. The Gospel of Mark shows us that Jesus is the ultimate servant. The, the, the Gospel of Luke um, shows us that Jesus is, is a man and that he's the son of man. And then the Gospel of John shows us that Jesus is God, that he's the great I am. And this morning we're going to look at two passages in, in Mark that really show us how Jesus um, is the ultimate servant. So I'm going to read both passages. You'll see why. Um, we're going to start with Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37, and then we'll just, maybe if it's, if maybe it's just a turn of the page for you, Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 45. So I'm going to begin in Mark 9, 30 through 37. From there they went out and began to go through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know about it. For he was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. But they did not understand the statement, and they were afraid to ask him. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. Sitting down, he called the twelve and, and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Taking a child, he set him before them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. So if you now turn to Mark chapter 10, 32 through 45. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were fearful. And again, he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to them, saying, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him, and three days later he will rise again. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant that we may sit on your right and one on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be, to be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? They said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. <clears throat> so several things about these two passages. Um, 
Mark 9, Mark 9 is actually the second time uh, Jesus was predicting his death. Mark 10 was the third. Uh, the other one is in Mark 8, where Jesus predict, predicts uh, his death. And what, what's interesting about these passages is that uh, they are, uh, we have two totally different perspectives, one of the disciples and one of Jesus. Jesus is saying uh, what a servant is like, and, and uh, in God's eyes, that a servant is humble, that a servant um, does not seek his own, but he wants a, ser a, a, a servant serves with a, with a humble heart. And the disciples had the world's way uh, mindset, one of pride and one of self-seeking. Well, I want to look to Jesus, um, and I want to look to him in, in a couple ways here in these passages. I want to look to him um, for what he taught about serving. And then I want to look at how he demonstrated um, what it meant to serve. Uh, the first thing here I want to mention is that in, in both passages, Jesus, um, in Mark 10, 40, verse 42, and in Mark 9, 35, it says that Jesus called them to himself. Jesus called them to himself. Basically, what, this, what Jesus is saying is, hey, wait a minute, we need to have a powwow. This is really important. He's underscoring the importance of what he's about to say. You know, it, it's kind of like... Um, it, when, when our oldest, Joshua, uh, was about uh, three years old, we, we were at a camp, and uh, we were unloading uh, for the week our car, and, uh, <clears throat> and I was on the other side of a road. Uh, a car was coming, and I said, Joshua, just stay there. Just stay with Mom. And, uh, and he uh, didn't listen to me, and he came running across the road. So then I went running after him, and here's this car. He didn't see the car because our car, he was standing um, by our car, so the only thing he saw was our, the hood. And so he just started come, come running to me. And so I scooped him up in my arms, thanked the person for not killing us, and, uh, and, and, I, said, and, and I said, Joshua, you need to listen to me. This is so important. You don't ever cross the road without mommy or daddy. I mean, later in life you can, he does now. And, um, but at that time, it was not a good idea. It, it, this is what Jesus is doing. He's drawing them. He calls them to himself. You guys, listen. You, you have this whole servant thing wrong. You're making it about yourself. And actually, we have a lesson to learn from the world and the Gentiles. They lord it over. They're oppressive. That's not how things are done in my kingdom. That's not how I do things. We do it with a servant's heart. We do it um, not for power and authority, but we do it out of love and out of care. And it's interesting in the Mark 9 passage that Jesus called a child to himself and, and, and put his arms around him and showed the disciples that this is, this is what it's like to care for somebody. And it's interesting because in the ancient world, um, kids did not, they, they were basically ignored. They lacked status. And so Jesus is taking someone who's, who's usually ignored and lacks status, and, and he's saying to his disciples, they are valuable and they're precious. And everyone that has been created in the image of God is valuable and precious to the Lord. And that is the perspective that he wanted the disciples to have. So he calls them, has this important talk, and then demonstrates in Mark 9, this is what I'm talking about. We love people because they're created in, in God's image. And, and another way, the idea is to rank before God, one needs to be, forget about rank. Servanthood is not about having a high position, but it's about caring for others. And the disciples needed to understand that this is what Jesus was talking about. 
<clears throat> not about pride, not about um, getting uh, what you want and being self-focused. Jesus, so he taught about servanthood is about the other people, loving people and seeing them as God sees them as valuable and precious. <clears throat> and um, we have uh, what Jesus, how, how Jesus demonstrated, how Jesus demonstrated serving. Jesus served in humility, showing people um, that they were of great value to him. Um, when I was, uh, Susan and I just got back from Fort Worth a couple days ago. Our oldest daughter, Hannah, um, and her husband, Andrew, uh, just had their third baby, um, Reed, Robert. For those of you who know um, uh, uh, the part, not the Partridge family, it's not Robert Reed. It's Reed Robert. And I can't, you know, you, you get that Robert Reed, but it's Reed Robert. I have to keep telling myself that. Um, but uh, um, so, but we were with um, our four-year-old and two-year-old grand, uh, grandchildren as well, Sadie and Noah. And uh, so my job when I was there, Susan had already been there for nine days taking care of um, their family. And, and so my job was uh, to give Susan a little break in the morning. And so I would go feed Sadie and Noah Captain Crunch. And um, they really liked me. And, uh, and so as they were eating Captain Crunch, I have the Jesus Storybook Bible on my iPad. And so we read story after story from the Jesus Storybook. And I, I read, um, we, got, we got to the Servant King in Mark 14, and I said, hey, this is a great story. And I think we all need to hear this story, um, even adults. And so um, just cuddle up to your significant other, um, and uh, we're going to have a little story time, okay? You don't have to cuddle. I'm, I don't know why I said that. All right. So the Servant King. It was Passover, the time when God's people remembered how God rescued them from being slaves in Egypt. Every year they killed a lamb and ate it. The lamb died instead of us, they would say. But this Passover, God was getting ready for an even greater rescue. Jesus and his friends were having the Passover meal together in an upstairs room. But Jesus' friends were arguing. What about? They were arguing about stinky feet. Stinky feet? Yes, that's right, stinky feet. Now, the thing about feet back then was that when people didn't wear shoes, they only wore sandals, which might not sound unusual, except that the streets in those days were dirty. And I don't mean just dusty dirty. I mean really stinky dirty. With all those cows and horses everywhere, you can imagine the stuff on the street that ended up on their feet. So anyway, someone, who had, to someone had to wash away the dirt, but it was a dreadful job. Who on earth would ever dream of volunteering to do it? only the lowliest servant. I'm not a servant. I'm not the servant, Peter said. Nor am I, said Matthew. Quietly, Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, picked up a basin of water, knelt down, and started to wash his friend's feet. You can't, Peter said. He didn't understand about Jesus being the servant king. If you don't let me wash away the dirt, Peter, Jesus said, you can't be close to me. Jesus knew that what people needed most was to be clean on the inside. All the dirt on their feet was nothing compared to the sin inside their hearts. Then wash me, Lord, Peter said, tears filling his eyes. All of me. One by one, Jesus washed everyone's feet. I'm doing this because I love you, Jesus, Jesus explained. Do this for each other. Jesus continually demonstrated what it meant to be a servant. The ultimate way that Jesus demonstrated um, that he was a servant uh, is, is, as we see is in, in Mark 10, 45, that he was 
willing to be, to give his life, ultimately, to be a ransom for many. And the expression for the many basically means that he was willing to do it on behalf of, in the place of many. That Jesus was willing to to give his life as a ransom, meaning uh, the idea is the release of prisoners. Because each one of us, we, we are prisoners. Why would Jesus die? Because he greatly loves us. There are different passages in Scripture that um, would be considered, I, I think, mission statements that, that Jesus spoke and basically said, here's why I'm here. Luke 19.10 would be one of them, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Mark 10.45 um, is another one that, that we've read already. Um, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 3.16 is a very popular verse that we, most of us know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 goes on, which I'll paraphrase. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world, but I, um, he came to save the world. He came to save us. Those are different mission statements given to us by Jesus. I think another one would be John 17.3, that Jesus is, is right when he's praying in the garden before he's going to be killed, he prays and he says, Father, um, this is eternal life, that they may know you and that they may know me. And so we have this wonderful news, this good news. Why did Jesus come to serve? Why did he give his life? He gave his life because each one of us um, were born sinners. We're born with a sin nature. We're born separated from God. We're born um, with this amazing problem, and we can't save ourselves. I'm unable to perform and to save myself. It It doesn't matter what I do, all the wonderful things I could do. Because of my nature, I'm, I'm, as I'm born, I'm separated from God. And so Jesus came as, as the solution to take care of that problem. And Jesus, for the many, took our place on behalf of, he died for you and he died for me because he loves us so much. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. I was lost. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Each one, each one of us were born lost. And we are in desperate need of forgiveness. So Jesus came to die, to rise again, so that we could be forgiven. At the very center of the cross is this idea of forgiveness. That Jesus would forgive us. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, Ephesians 1.7. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. The solution is, is a person. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The solution is a person, the person of Jesus. And he offers this free gift of salvation to everyone who, who will believe, who will transfer their trust from themselves onto Jesus. John 1.12, for, as as for as many as received him, to them he gave the right 
to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. It is a free gift, and he offers it to us. And as many of us have trusted Christ, I trusted Jesus when I was 12 years old. I'm so thankful that he died for me. Um, <clears throat> but the, the wonderful thing about, about the Lord is that this invitation of knowing him, remember John 17, 3, that this is eternal life, that we may know him, that he invites us to know him. There's something about this whole thing about knowing him. And he invites us to know him more and more intimately. Knowing him is connected to his word. Listen to John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And listen to what Jesus says here, this promise. And I will disclose myself to him. You know, a couple years ago, Mark uh, was up here, and he wasn't preaching on Psalm 1, but he mentioned it just in passing. And so I, I was sitting where you were, right, well, not everywhere, but just somewhere in here. But I, I, I just looked up Psalm 1 again, just to be reminded. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf, leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. I read that, and I said, Lord, so I started to ignore Mark, and I'm reading Psalm 1, and I said, Lord, that, I, I long for that. What does it mean to delight in your words so much that I will meditate on it day and night? That is, I, I want to overflow. I, I want to be poured in to get to know Jesus. And I want to understand what does it mean to meditate? Because I medit we all meditate. We're meditating on something throughout the day. We might be meditating on our kids and a situation they're in. And, and I find myself doing that. And then I get anxious about it. We might be meditating on some bills that we have that, we're, that we need to pay, some medical bills. We might be meditating on how our job is going or that person in our job. We think, we think all day. So when the psalmist says he delights in the word of God, pleasure and satisfaction in the word of God, that so much that he does it day and night. Now, what does day and night mean? It means all the time. <laughs> now, I don't do that all the time. I know that. I, I, want to do, I want to become more and more intentional and, and meditate on God's word more and more and, and grow in that for sure. Like 2 Corinthians 10 at the end of verse 5 says, and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I think that's this idea of meditating. What do I think about during the day? And if I'm dwelling on something that is a, is a trigger for me for anxiety, I, I need to put that off and then replace it with truth. But the other thing about meditation is it's relational. We're getting to know a person. Jesus, the, the written word of God reveals the living word of God, who is Jesus. Psalm 27, 4, David says, One thing, one thing I'll that I ask, one thing I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Meditation is a relational thing that I'm growing closer to a person. And, and it's a wonderful thing because his word re renews and restores my soul. It is completely sufficient for, me, for turning me into what God wants me to be. And that is really basically the image of, of his son, Jesus. And so this idea of meditation, uh, Psalm 1 started out by saying, how blessed, how blessed. 
That word blessed basically means um, fullness of joy. Isn't that cool? Fullness of joy. The, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength, according to Nehemiah. And, and, and so you, you have this relationship, this ongoing relationship with Jesus that began by grace through faith in Christ alone, and it continues by grace through faith in Christ alone. And he pours into us in his word as we get to know him. Listen to what Tony Evans says about this idea here. The power of God's word implanted within you is only manifested when you choose to abide with the living word, Christ himself. This is a critical aspect of receiving the word of God for the purposes of life change and empowering your ministry. Abiding in Christ is another name for intimacy with Christ. Christ wants to express his life through you, which comes through your abiding in him. Abiding means just what it says. It means to remain, to stay, to keep the connection strong. It's a freeing way to live because it means you can take a deep breath and just get to know Jesus. It takes away all the self-induced struggle. There's something about meditation throughout the day. If you, if you were to do a word study on meditation in the whole Bible, you would find that it's all over the place. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate, Psalm 145. It, it is everywhere. And that's what God wants us to be thinking on his word. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. He wants us to be thinking on his word, getting to know him, uh, because the evil one wants us to believe lies. And when I believe lies, it impacts my, it impacts my feelings, my affections. Um, it impacts my will and what I choose to do. And, and God wants, doesn't want our minds to be dragged away. He wants us to be focused on him. And it's, it's a growing thing. And, and as, he, as he loves us in that way, in that, that, relational, um, that relationship that we have with him, as we, as we meditate on his word, his Holy Spirit takes that and helps us to get to know him. And that is where overflowing begins as we grow closer to him. And so we're loved by Jesus. By the mission statements, it's clear he came to give his life for us. We're loved by Jesus by his invitation to get to know him more and more. We look to Jesus as our ultimate servant, what he taught about servanthood and what he demonstrated about servanthood. And then uh, we want to live for Jesus. We want to live for Jesus because he calls us to. But here's the wonderful, wonderful thing and what I've been saying about this whole thing about meditating is that living for Jesus is by the power of Jesus. Living for Jesus is by the power of Jesus, is this overflow pouring out God's love by empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read uh, John 7, 37 through 39 again uh, that Mike read. Wonderful passage by, by, by the Lord. It says this, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from the, his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, with whom he who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So you're going to be, these fountains are going to be around for a while, and a, a wonderful reminder of this idea of overflowing as we grow in our relationship with Jesus and as we then are able to love one another's, love one another as we focus on the one another's uh, within our families, within the local body here, and, um, and, and then loving our community. This idea of streams of um, living water will flow from within, a, uh, within us 
it, it carries with it the idea of it's a continual source of satisfaction. It provides life continually, kind of like what John 10, 10 speaks about. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life abundant as we, as we grow closer to him. This idea of the Holy Spirit being in us that, that satisfies, he satisfies our need for God. And he provides us with regeneration as we come to know him. He provides us with guidance as we read his word and he helps us understand his word. And then he provides us with empowerment. We're able to actually live like Jesus because the Holy Spirit empowers us to love one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to bear one another's burdens, to come alongside someone who's really struggling or someone who needs to be reminded that, that they're a saint, that they belong to Jesus and that their identity is in Christ. We can, we can speak words of life to one another because we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we, um, God calls us to serve one another. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Because of God's grace and the gospel, we can be free from the bondage of sin, and, and, and we don't have to live for ourselves. That, that's actually possible because of Christ in us. And then we are freed up to serve one another. And this idea of serving one another, it means to be to serve in a close personal relationship. It's talking about that our one another's, as we, as we apply the one another's in our lives, that we're actually, um, our relationship will grow. Our relationships with one another grow. And uh, living out the one another commands is a way of serving one another through love. Uh, we serve one another by encouraging one another. I'm sure you've heard the uh, definition of encouragement. It, it basically means to put courage into someone. I'm sure that many of you uh, have had someone put courage in you. I know I, know I did. I, George Thomas, who discipled me uh, when, I was, was I, when I was a teenager, he told me one time, and I, and I, and I didn't believe him, he said, he said God's going to use you. You're, you're, you're going to be, I, I, I didn't believe him. He said, God wants to use you and he wants you to speak to others. And I really didn't believe him. Because I don't know if you know this, but I'm a, I'm a little bit, I'm a tad bit introverted. And uh, the thought of, of standing up in front of people just doesn't, you know, that's weird. But, but George kept telling me, it, it, God's going to use you. What he was doing, he was just putting courage in me. That's what he was doing. And we can do that for one another. We can put courage in one another. We can pray for one another. I'm, I'm just so thankful. I, I meet with uh, several different groups of men um, who are blessing me and encouraging me and we're experiencing the one another's together. Yesterday before I, before I preached at FSAT, I just sent a text out to these guys and I just said, hey, we, just, we pray for me. I'm teaching tonight and then twice tomorrow. We just pray for me? And they all responded, praying for you, praying for you. And, um, and, then, um, and then those in our community group, the same thing, just praying. And I am just so thankful for brothers and sisters coming alongside that we pray for each other. That also puts courage in each other. I'm just so thankful for that. We're able to bear one another's burdens. And, and these, the one, there's, there's a lot of them. <laughs> and uh, just great opportunities to, to serve one another through love as we apply these one another's in our families and in this body. 
being connected together. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Be imitators of God. Be like Jesus. But we can be like Jesus by the power of Jesus and his Holy Spirit living through us. I want to just mention just a few ways I think we can serve one another through love, and, and I hope that it encourages you and as you think this through. One of the things I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that he has prepared for us beforehand that we would walk in them. It sounds like the one another's. That God has prepared that we would walk in in love, that we would be imitators of Christ. And, <clears throat> and, and so I just want to encourage us that we would pray, Lord, would you help me today to walk in the, in the things that you have planned for me? That I wouldn't live for myself today. And that I would look for opportunities to apply the one another's with my, with my wife, with my kids today, with my parents today, with my siblings today with the people at work today. Lord, I want to walk in what you have prepared before, before me today. Another thing I think that we could pray for, and that is, is that we would ask God to help us view people as he views people. That we would see people as precious and valuable. You know, in James we're told that, you know, the tongue is, you know, um, a real powerful thing. It's, it's like a rudder in a ship. It's, you know, it's like a spark and the whole forest is all of a sudden on fire. Um, the, the, that we, we, can, we can see people as, as precious. Where was I going with James? I just remembered. And the, the idea is, is that it says that, you know, with the Lord we praise him with, with the same, and then with the same tongue we, we curse our brothers. We, we talk about people, you know. Um, but I think as we ask the Lord, Lord, help me not to talk about people, but to view them as precious and valuable and motivate me, Lord, to serve. Because Jesus really made it clear, you know, you receive, doesn't matter status, it doesn't matter, it, it, you're receiving me, Jesus says. Just view people as he views people. And then another one, this might sound a little strange, but I, I just thought about this. The idea is asking God to help you cultivate a thankful heart. A thankful heart is such an encouragement. It can be catchy. It points people to Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith, of the author and, and the giver of all wonderful gifts. Cultivating a thankful heart um, is a real encouragement. And then, you know, just some, you know, obviously some, some uh, practical things. You know, you, just uh, when um, after, after Han and Andrew just moved to Fort Worth from San Antonio and they're just getting involved in a new church, um, they've really only gone a couple times, uh, and, uh, but someone brought them a meal. And uh, they, they're trying to make new, they want to make new friends there, uh, but it was such an encouragement. You know, looking for opportunities to do that for people. Um, and I, this, this last thing here, family members asking this question of one another. How can I help you? Husbands asking their wives, how can I serve you? How, how can I help you? Wives asking their husbands. Kids asking their parents. That'd be radical. How can I, how can I help you? 
that, that's, applying, that's applying to one another's. And uh, just wanting to have a servant's heart. Well, I want to just draw attention as I close here um, to a few things. Uh, a lot of people have done a lot of work, and I'm not even going to begin to start naming people because that wouldn't be fair. Um, and they don't want me to, but I'm just saying. But here, here we have this thing here. This, um, it's a fan deck. I kept calling it a fan desk. I don't know why. Fan deck. Okay, you know, like uh, the paint, you can go to the paint store and you get it. This is filled with idea cards of, of the one another's for, for, for families, for, um, for, for each person to, to take and, um, and to say, well, how can I apply these one another's um, in our family, in my, in my friendships, um, at, at the workplace? How, and, and so we have 20 different one another idea cards um, that you can pick up after the service. We also have, um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of kicking off the overflow, pouring out of God's love with, with today. Um, John Morrison will do two sermons on being at peace with one another. And, um, and then Mark will close it with, uh, with, a, with another one another. Um, I, I believe he's going to be closing with Romans 16, but he's going to tie it in. And so we have a four-week series on, on the one another's here. Uh, we also have some events coming up. Um, we, we have, as, as we mentioned, what a wonderful place to experience one another is in small groups with uh, Group Link tonight and getting, and getting involved in a small group. Uh, we have, um, uh, we're going to do the Fellowship Family Podcasts, and, and you can pick one of these up too that says all the different events and things that are happening in the next three months with this focus. But we're going to have 10 different podcasts. Um, and uh, focusing on how do you experience the one another's in your family, in the local church, the global church, because we'll be having the global, global church conference coming up in October. And, and then what does that look like for our community? So we're going to be putting out podcasts weekly having to do with the one another's. And then we're going to do something called, I, I guess it's been done here years ago. It was, I, I don't think I was here at the time, so it's long, quite a while ago. But um, guess who's coming to dinner? Uh, you'll be able to sign up and, uh, and, and either have someone come to dinner at your house, or you can uh, sign up and, and go to dinner at someone else's house. We'll let you know who that is, so just don't show up at someone's house tonight or, or whatever. But, um, but just opportunities to get to know one another and experience the one another's um, as a local body, uh, a family of God. And, uh, and so just, there, there's, we're gonna have a grandparenting conference um, coming up in October, and so that's gonna be a wonderful thing. Um, grandparents, what, what, I mean, the one another's with your adult children and with your grandchildren. Um, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. What an amazing thing we have for to, to opportunities for grandparents to declare the mighty acts of God and, and let our children, our grandchildren um, know the gospel uh, and the person of Jesus as, as we do. And, and so that is another event that's coming up. So lots happening, lots to take advantage of and want to encourage you to do that. Um, so thank you for uh, letting me share with you and um, I'm going to close in a word of prayer Father I want to thank you so much that you have poured out your love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit thank you so much that you have given us your word that as we spend time with you and as we worship together collectively and spend time with you in worship and, and, and in your word, that, that you allow us to get to know you, that you disclose yourself to us. Thank you so much for that promise, that you draw near to us. Lord, we, we're so grateful. Lord, I pray for each one of us that 
you would help us to take you at your word, that you would help us, that you would strengthen our faith. And Lord, as, as we grow in Christ, I pray that your love would overflow through us to one another and that this body, these families, these friendships um, would be strengthened in Christ, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.